0: Good morning. Welcome to Sunday Morning with Love in Action. I am Ken Tuck. I hope you are having a good Thanksgiving Day weekend. Probably still eating some turkey leftovers, right? Turkey sandwiches and all kind of things you can do with turkeys that you never knew you could do with before, right? (laughs) Well, I hope you are enjoying time with your family and enjoying a break and just Being thankful, that's really something we need to be all the time is be thankful. God tells us to do that. So let's be thankful, people, and let's just thank God for all that he's doing in our lives, all that he's doing around the world, and we do have much to be thankful for. I'm certainly thankful that you joined me this morning, and we're going to continue our teaching of the 50 Commands of Christ, but before we do, let's go to our Heavenly Father in prayer. Father God, we come to you in the name of Jesus. Thank you for this day. Thank you for your goodness. Father, we do have so much to be thankful for. Father, we thank you most of all for your son Jesus, for the salvation that you freely give us. Jesus, we thank you for dying on the cross for our sins. And we thank you, Father, for raising Jesus back to life on the third day so all who believe shall not perish but have eternal life. Thank you, Jesus, for ascending to heaven and being at the right hand of the Father, making intercession for us. You are our high priest. Jesus, you are our king, our savior, our Lord, our everything. And we thank you that one day you are coming back to return to take your people home to heaven and judge this world. Lord, I pray that if anyone is listening today and they have not given their lives to you, Jesus, I pray today is the day they call out to you that they give their lives to you, because Jesus, you are just waiting to save them, to give them eternal life, to forgive them of their sins. And I thank you for forgiving me. I thank you for saving me. Jesus, I love you. And I lift up each person listening to every need we give to you. Father, we thank you for your word. And as we open your word this morning, we ask you, Holy Spirit, to teach us. We ask you to lead us and guide us into all truths. And may we be doers of your word and not hearers only. Father, we love you, we praise you, and we thank you, and it's in your name, Jesus, we pray. Amen. We are at command number 42 out of 50, and number 42 is, Be Born Again. John chapter 3, verse 7. Jesus says, Do not marvel that I say to you, you must be born again. Now, Jesus is speaking to Nicodemus, who was a very well-known teacher of the law in Jerusalem the Jews knew who Nicodemus was. He was a ruler among the Jews. So very well-respected Jewish leader was Nicodemus. And he and Jesus are talking and he comes to Jesus and asks him some questions. And let's read that encounter with Jesus and Nicodemus and where Jesus gives us the command to be born again. We're still in the Gospel of John, chapter 3, but we're going to read verses 1 through 21. And as we read this, take notice of the patience that Jesus has with Nicodemus in explaining about being born again to him. Let's read. Now there was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus, a ruler of the Jews. This man came to Jesus by night and said to him, Rabbi, Jesus was so patient with Nicodemus as he explained being born again to him. Now, Nicodemus, you see that Jesus called him the teacher of Israel. So he was known as the teacher of teachers. So why did Jesus expect Nicodemus to know about the new birth? Does the Old Testament teach us about new birth? Well, let's check that out. The concept of being born again or a new birth is found in several places, actually, in the Old Testament. Let's look at Jeremiah chapter 31, verse 33. For this is the covenant that I will make with the house of Israel after those days, declares the Lord. I will put my law within them, and I will write it on their hearts. I will be their God, and they shall be my people. Then in Ezekiel, chapter 11, verse 19. And I will give them one heart and a new spirit I will put within them. I will remove the heart of stone from their flesh and give them a heart of stone of flesh. Ezekiel chapter 36 verses 25 through 27. I will sprinkle clean water on you and you shall be clean from all your uncleanness and from all your idols. I will cleanse you and I will give you a new heart and a new spirit. I will put within you and I will remove the heart of stone from your flesh and give you a heart of flesh and I will put my spirit within you and cause you to walk in my statutes and be careful to obey my rules. So you can see God talking about a new covenant. He's talking about this new covenant that he's going to make with his people through Jesus Christ, his son. This is being prophesied here. And we can see how this is a new start, a rebirth, if you will. He's saying he's going to put in a heart of flesh, remove that heart of stone and put in a heart of flesh. And he's going to write his word on our hearts. And he's going to put his spirit within us. And so that's all about a new start, a rebirth to be born again. And is it necessary to be born again to enter the kingdom of God? Absolutely. Most definitely. Yes. John chapter three, verse five. We, as we read, we'll read it again. Jesus answered Nicodemus and said, truly, truly, I say to you, Unless one is born of water and the Spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. You don't have to have a theological degree right there, do you? You, <laughs> you can read that. You can hear that. Jesus clearly says that you have to be born again to enter the kingdom of God. That's absolutely a necessity. Is it possible to be born again without Jesus? No. Absolutely not. Let's read Acts chapter 4 verses 11 and 12. This Jesus is the stone that was rejected by you, the builders, which has become the cornerstone. And there is salvation in no one else, for there is no other name under heaven given among men by which we must be saved. Again, that's very clear. No one other than Jesus can we be saved. It's his name and his name alone. So all the teachings out there of other ways to God, to the Father, that's all faults. There's only one way, and that's through Jesus Christ, the one and only Son of God, the Messiah, Yeshua, Jesus. Romans chapter 6, verse 23, For the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. Again, we see that the Word of God is telling us, Salvation is through Jesus and through Jesus alone. In Romans six twenty three, therefore, the wages of sin is death. So wages is something that you earn. So we have earned death because of our sin. But thanks to Jesus, the free gift of God, Jesus dying on that cross for our sins, God raising them up from the dead on the third day and saying, if you believe, I will forgive your sins and give you eternal life only through Jesus Christ. Let's read 1 John chapter 5, verses 11 and 12. And this is the testimony that God gave us eternal life and that this life is in his Son. Whoever has the Son has life. Whoever does not have the Son does not have life. So we see again, only through the Son, Jesus, can we have eternal life, life with God forever and ever. And why is it necessary? to be born again, to receive salvation. Because one, we've all sinned. We've all sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Two, we are in a lost and fallen condition. We are born into sin. That initial sin, that first sin of Adam and Eve separated all of mankind from God. And the only way back to God is through his son, Jesus Christ. I encourage you to read Isaiah chapter 59. We won't read that this morning, but I encourage you to take out your Bible and read Isaiah 59. It's talking about how sins have separated us from God. Mankind is depraved and inclined towards sin. Psalms chapter 53 verse 3, we read, they have all fallen away. Together they have become corrupt. There is no one who does good, not even one. So we have been separated from God because of our sin, and so the only way back to the Father is through His Son, Jesus Christ. Thirdly, the penalty of sin is physical death, and we read that in Romans chapter 6, verse 23, for the wages of sin is death. Number four, we are spiritually dead. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 1. I'm going to read verses 1 through 3. Ephesians 2, verses 1 through 3. So you can see spiritual death. There's no life without Jesus. And the only way to life, the only way to eternal life is through Jesus Christ. The Gospel of John chapter 3 verse 36. Whoever believes in the Son has eternal life. Whoever does not obey the Son shall not see life, but the wrath of God remains on him. You see, Jesus came to save us from our sins. He came to save us from the wrath of God, what we actually deserve. But he came to save us from that. And when we put our faith in him, in Jesus Christ as our Savior, as our Lord, he saves us from the wrath of God. From the Salvation Seminar, which was written by the late J. George Cover, who was a missionary to Sierra Leone, he writes this, How can a person be born again? Number one, it's God's part. Jesus Christ died in your place and resurrected on the third day for your sins so that you can be forgiven and receive that new life. And there's a number of scriptures you can read, and I'm, I'm just going to call them out to you right now. If you can write them down, please do. If not, you can go back and check out this podcast uh, on the Love and Action podcast and, and get these scriptures. But it's 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 3. Isaiah 53, verses 5 and 6, and verse 12. Galatians chapter 3, verse 13. Hebrews chapter 2 verse 9, 1 Peter chapter 3 verse 18, Hebrews chapter 9 verse 28, 1 Peter chapter 2 verse 24, and Romans chapter 5 verse 8. Secondly, God forgives sins. And some verses to look at will be Hebrews chapter 10 verses 16 through 17, 1 John chapter 1 verse 9, Isaiah 55, verse 7, Isaiah 43, verse 25, Isaiah 44, verse 22, and Isaiah 1, verse 18. Thirdly, God gives spiritual life. And we can read Ephesians chapter 2, verse 1 and verse 5, 1 John chapter 5, verse 11 and verse 13. The Gospel of John, which we have read already, uh, verse, uh, chapter 3, verses 1 through 7. So that's God's part. Let's go back over that. Jesus Christ died in your place and resurrected on the third day for your sins. God forgives sins, and God gives spiritual life. So that's God's part. Now here's our part. Number one, we have to repent of our sins. We have to confess Jesus is Lord, and God raised him from the dead. And then we need to follow him as Lord and Savior and confess Christ openly. Now let me give you some scripture that you can go back and look at. Again, this is our part. We need to repent of our sins. Read 1 John chapter 1 verse 9, Romans chapter 6 verses 1 and 2, Matthew chapter 3 verse 2, and Matthew chapter 4 verse 17. Then secondly, we need to confess Jesus is Lord and that God raised him from the dead. Read Romans chapter 10, verses 9 and 10. Mark chapter 1, verse 15. Acts chapter 2, verse 31. 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verses 3 and 4, as well as verses 12 through 14. And we need to follow him as Lord and Savior. So read John chapter 10, verse 27 and 30, 27 through 30. John 14, verse 15 and 21. John fifteen verse ten. Then we must confess Christ openly. Read Matthew ten thirty two and Luke twelve eight, and also read Revelation chapter three verse five. We need to be baptized. Read Matthew twenty eight nineteen and Romans six three through four. You see, God has done everything for us. He has paved the road. He's made the way, and He's told us if we get on the straight and narrow with him. If we trust in his one and only son, Jesus, we have faith in him, and we believe in the work that Jesus did on the cross, that he died on the cross and on the third day was raised back to life, that we are saved from our sins, saved from the wrath of God, that we must follow him. The word of God tells us to confess with our mouth that Jesus is Lord. Romans chapter 10, verse 9, and that same verse says, If we confess that Jesus is Lord and believe in our hearts that God raised him from the dead, we shall be saved. And so we need to make that confession of Jesus as our Savior, and we need to follow him. Jesus gives us that open invitation. Actually, it's a command to follow him. So salvation, it's not just praying a prayer. It's living the life that Jesus wants us to live. It's becoming a disciple of Jesus Christ. He tells us to follow him. How do we do that? Well, we need to read his word. We need to see how Jesus lived, because if we're going to follow somebody, then we want to be like that person. So we need to be like Jesus. And I want to ask you this morning, have you ever given your life to Jesus? If you haven't, I just want to ask you this morning to please consider giving your life to Jesus. He loves you, and he's done everything for you. And he wants to save you, forgive you of your sins, and give you eternal life. Because there really is a heaven, and there really is a hell. And for those who reject Jesus, deny him, then hell is the eternal destination. And hell actually gets thrown into the lake of fire. So the lake of fire is eternity for those who deny Christ. Those who receive Christ and follow him here on earth, then heaven is the eternal destination where you'll be with God forever and ever and ever and get to experience the goodness of God for eternity get to be in God's presence for eternity and I know that God is the great creator so I believe he's going to keep on creating throughout eternity and we're going to see things we never could dream about colors that we've never seen just it's just going to be an incredible place to be for all eternity and I pray that you want to be there. I pray that you want Jesus as your Lord and as your Savior. And if you aren't ready right now to give your life to Jesus, let me read you something out of 2 Thessalonians chapter 1. I'm going to start in verse 7, about the middle of verse 7. When the Lord Jesus is revealed from heaven with his mighty angels in flaming fire, inflicting vengeance on those who do not know God, And on those who do not obey the gospel of our Lord Jesus, they will suffer the punishment of eternal destruction away from the presence of the Lord and from the glory of his might. When he comes on that day to be glorified in the saints and to be marveled at among all who have believed because our testimony to you was believed. So you see that about Jesus returning and that there's going to be judgment. He came the first time to save, as the humble servant to serve you and me, to die on the cross for our sins and to die to give us life, and that he rose again to give us eternal life with him. But then we see here that when he's coming back, there's going to be vengeance on those who do not know God and who do not obey the gospel of our Lord Jesus. And the word says that they will suffer the punishment of eternal destruction away from the presence of of the Lord and from the glory of his might. So I want to ask you, are you okay with that? Do you want to receive that? And I, I pray that you understand this is a serious question, and I'm not being judgmental myself. I'm just asking you this question because I want everyone to go to heaven. I want everyone to know Jesus and not to spend eternity without him in torment and punishment. Jesus died for you. I encourage you, give your life to Jesus today. And let me read from the Word of God what happens when you do. 1 John chapter 5, I'm going to read verses 1 through 5. Everyone who believes that Jesus is the Christ has been born of God, and everyone who loves the Father loves whoever has been born of Him. By this we know that we love the children of God when we love God and obey His commandments. For this is the love of God, that we keep his commandments, and his commandments are not burdensome. For everyone who has been born of God overcomes the world, and this is the victory that has overcome the world, our faith. Who is it that overcomes the world? Except the one who believes that Jesus is the Son of God. We become overcomers when we give our lives to Jesus. Because of what he has done, we are overcomers. He allows us to overcome this world, and not to be overcome by this world and by our sins, but he offers forgiveness. He offers mercy. He offers grace. He offers love. He offers life and life eternal. So I want to ask you this morning, are you ready to give your life to Jesus? And if you are, I just want to lead you in a simple prayer. Now, it's not just about a prayer, okay? This prayer is in obedience to the Word of God, where he tells us to confess Jesus as Lord, to believe that Jesus died and rose again. Jesus tells us to repent, which means to turn from our ways and turn to him and ask him to forgive us. 1 John chapter 1, verse 9 says, we confess our sins to God, he is faithful and just to forgive us of all of our sins and to cleanse us from all of our unrighteousness. So I want to lead you in a prayer right now. And if you have not given your life to Jesus or you're not 100% sure that you're saved, then I encourage you to pray this. A friend of mine who's long gone to be with Jesus in heaven, Andy Bryan, he used to say that if you're 99.9% sure that you're saved, you're 100% lost. You can be 100% sure that you're saved this morning. Pray along with me. Pray, Father God, I come to you this morning, a sinner in need of your salvation i believe with all my heart jesus you died on that cross and on the third day god you raised jesus back to life and i confess with my mouth right now that jesus you are my lord you are my savior i ask you to forgive me of my sins cleanse me from all my unrighteousness i repent of my sins i turn from my ways and i turn to you jesus I renounce the ways of Satan in this world, and I confess you, Jesus, as Lord of my life, Savior of my soul. I want to thank you, Jesus, for saving me, for forgiving me, for giving me new life, for giving me life eternal, and I ask you to fill me with your Holy Spirit and help me from this point forward, day by day, to live for you. Thank you for saving me, Jesus. I love you, Jesus, and it's in your name I pray. Amen. If you prayed that prayer, or you just called out to Jesus the best you know how, I tell you, he meets you right where you're at. Please contact me. You can email me at Ken.Tuck at LoveInActionMinistries.com. Ken.Tuck at LoveInActionMinistries.com. You can call us at 334-494-4995. Our office number is 334-494-4995. I would love to hear from you, and I would love to give you some materials, some next steps, because we need to live this life for Jesus. Now it's about becoming a disciple of Christ. And what, what is a disciple? That's kind of a church word, right? It's a biblical word, but it means to be a student, to be a student of Jesus, to learn his word, to learn how to live this life for Jesus and how to lead others to him, how to make disciples of others. Because he tells us in his great commission, he says, All authority in heaven and in earth has been given unto me. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teach them to obey all I have commanded you. And I am with you always to the end of the age. Jesus is with us. We can tell others about him. We can make disciples because he's with us. And he tells us to, and he fills us with the spirit. The same power that raised him back to life is now within you if you've given your life to Jesus. And let me tell you, it's the greatest life ever. Know that he loves you and tell somebody that you made that decision today. And I encourage you to be baptized if you're not part of a local church, and I encourage you to find a church. And it may take going to a few different ones, but don't be afraid. Go. But if you need to be baptized as well and you don't have a church, just contact me. I'd be more than honored to baptize you. Think about baptism. It doesn't save you. Your faith in Jesus Christ, the decision that you just made, he saves you. Baptism is being obedient, and we need to be obedient to God. He tells us to be baptized. And There's a lot of symbolism in baptism. The word Baptism comes from the Greek word in which it was written, baptismo, which means to immerse. So when we are immersed in the water, when being baptized, it's symbolic of dying to our sins with Christ, like he died on the cross. Then when we emerge out of the water, that's symbolic of rising up to new life with Jesus. He rose up from the grave, right? So it's symbolic of that and us rising up with him to the new life that he has given us. The blood of Jesus that he shed on that cross washes us clean. The water is symbolic of that. It's also a witness to those who see you get baptized. It's a witness to them. you saying, hey, I've made this decision for Jesus. I'm going to follow him. So please contact me. Let me know if you have any questions at all. Please contact me. I would love to send you some more material. I would love to answer any questions. We are out of time. I knew we would only get to this one command today because it's such, and all of his commands are so important, but this is about being born again, and I wanted to give people an opportunity to experience that new birth, and I pray that you did today if you hadn't already given your life to him, and if you are a believer, then I pray this encourages you to share Jesus with others, to share about being born again. And you can explain what it means to be born again. Well, thank you all so much for joining me this morning. I hope you have a great rest of the day and a wonderful week coming up. And may the Lord bless you and keep you, may he cause his face to shine upon you and be gracious unto you, may he lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace.